Welcome to the Coaching York podcast. To find out more about our offers and services, and to make suggestions for subjects that you'd like us to cover, go to coachingyork.co.uk. That's coachingyork.co.uk. Hello and welcome to the Coaching York podcast with me, Fiona Smith. And with me, Jeff Ashton. And today I would like to dive straight in with a quote. When have you been at your strongest? The boy asked the horse. When I have dared to show my weakness. Asking for help isn't giving up, said the horse. It's refusing to give up. And there's a quote from the boy, the horse, and the fox and the mole by Charlie Maxey. Uh, so Fiona, what do you, do you make of that as a thought? Um, I really like this book. Uh, and it was one of my favourite books through lockdown because my son's head teacher used to do, at the start of the school day for online learning, he used to do a thought for the day. And he actually used this book and the quotes from this book to use uh, as a thought for the day with with all the um, children's and par- children and parents um, starting the the day of online learning, and and it was a great thing to use with young children, sort of um, oh, nine and ten, I think at that point, just to provoke thinking and to to do it in a way where you can you've got a very easy parallel, so it makes it very accessible. But when you actually just stop and really think about the words, there's, there's there's so much power in them. And I think particularly around vulnerability, it certainly made me think a lot and reflect back a lot on things I'd learned about myself. And I've then also gone on. I actually do use quotes from this book with with my coaching clients now. I, I hadn't come across this until we started working on this podcast. So if you're like me and one of the only few people in the world is think doesn't know what the book is I will put a link to it in the show notes and a video from the BBC that was done uh, on the back of it but why are we thinking about this quote well it was chosen by today's guest coaching your member Jan Browse hello Jan hello and the best traditions of these podcasts we ask our guests to introduce themselves personally professionally and geographically so would you like to introduce yourself Oh, well, thank you, Jeff. So, yeah, I'm Jan. I live in a village in North Leeds with my husband. Uh, we're both keen walkers, uh, so I'm often seen walking the countryside around the village, uh, North Yorkshire and beyond in the Yorkshire Dales. Following an early career which spanned HR, learning and development in the NHS, telecoms, steel and motor industry, I've been self-employed as an executive coach and coach supervisor now for around 20 years. I typically work with senior leaders uh, who are often in transition and I supervise new and experienced coaches around their practice. Thank you, Jan. And uh, yeah, welcome again to the uh, to the podcast. When we invited you onto the pod, we asked if there was a particular subject that you really wanted to share your experiences and thoughts on. And you came back with the subject of vulnerability. So can you tell us more about that and what made you pick this as an important subject? Yeah, sure. So I guess I hold a curiosity around both vulnerability and compassion and the professional mass that we can hide behind. 
So I see the maths in my clients. Uh, maybe it's coaches who are coming to me for supervision and they're concerned about getting things right or concerned about some of the conversations that they're, they're having with their clients, but they're afraid to ask that brave question. I see the maths as well in leaders who are facing challenges, maybe about feeling that they need to have all the answers, they need to get things right. Um, and in both of these instances, I think asking for help and facing into the vulnerability uh, is actually the most courageous thing um, that they could do. I think being vulnerable invites us to step into the unknown territory, and that can feel really uncomfortable. But I do believe that when we do this, we become more compassionate leaders and indeed human beings. From my own experience, I noticed that when we're willing to be vulnerable, it opens the door for a much deeper and richer conversation. It's less transactional and it's much more human. And that happened in a conversation some months ago, actually, with colleagues I was having with colleagues. And one of the person um, persons in this room, informal meeting, just happened to share something that was from a very vulnerable place. And that made the conversation that we had very, very different to our usual conversation. I think it, it, it draws people towards us when we're vulnerable. Uh, and this happened just before, um, Jeff, you invited me to this podcast around vulnerability. So it was front of my mind at the time. And here I am. That's great, John. Thank you. And yeah, interesting um, how things work sometimes with uh, with timing. So within that, can you tell us a bit more about your your own experience of vulnerability? Yeah, sure. So um, thinking about myself, I guess it was probably about 15 years ago when I started my coaching supervision training and doing a lot of work on myself. I realized that I was operating with behind what I called a professional mask. Part of my training was with the Coaching Supervision Academy and their underpinning philosophy is who we are is how we supervise. Of course, who we are is how we do anything. It's how we facilitate, how we lead, how we coach and so on. But what I noticed was that when I work with my clients, I tended to put on this coaching uh, mask or this supervision mask. So I became the professional me, the professional Jan, and I had to work in a, a particular way. So there's a bit of being perfect there. Uh, and I found that, that I was often quite serious and held and contained when I behaved in that way. So what I learned from a lot of self-reflection and my own supervision was that it, it's helpful to actually bring more of me, bring more of the playful me uh, to what I do. And that was quite uncomfortable for me at the time thinking about that but what I noticed was when I started to do that sharing more of of me being uh, more open and, and I use the phrase holding things lightly so holding that being perfect driver that I had lightly then there was a shift in how I connected with people so by dropping my own mask I invite my clients to do the same and now I do share more of my fears, concerns, more of my vulnerability. And I do that in service of my clients, um, whilst, of course, making sure that I'm not hijacking the conversation because <laughs> it's not about me. It remains about my clients. So I guess in the interest of practicing what I preach, um, then I should be honest and say that being here and engaging in this podcast is a vulnerable place for me. And that might surprise some people. 
uh, but it really takes me out of my comfort zone and it raises um, some of my childhood story. And that story is about being brought up as a quiet child, as a that the mantra was from my parents was children should be seen and not heard. And the impact of that childhood story was that I expected to be good, be perfect. Uh, and if I wasn't good, then I would be sent to my room until I came out and apologised. Um, and of course, we grow up and as adults, we learn different sets of behaviours. But when we're in those moments that feel like high stakes for us, we're triggered. And in that instant, we go back to that experience that was set up by those patterns. So for me, I find it helpful now to shift from the focus being on the challenge of the, the parental language to actually being here right now is about being, being vulnerable, but it's also about the focus shifting to the listener. You know, I could feel that in this instance, I'm having to be perfect and get things right because if not I'm going to be judged by you I'm going to be judged by the listeners to this podcast but actually in being vulnerable and in sharing some of that my hope is that it will connect with some of the listeners out there and they will recognize some of those behavior patterns some of those habits that get triggered so actually it's okay to be vulnerable and when I call it out what I notice happening is that I start to feel calmer I start to feel more relaxed and, and actually being here. So calling it out and naming it for me is really helpful. And we very much uh, appreciate you being with us today. Thank you for sharing so openly. It's uh, you know, powerful stuff you're talking about. Could you tell us a bit more ab about how you work with vulnerability with your coaching clients? So you've, you've talked a bit about you've made a decision to be more vulnerable and you've carried that on in a consistent way and modeling that and demonstrating that in your behavior as well as your professional practice is very important to you how do you use that with clients to have an even greater impact with them when you're working with them okay yeah so sure jeff so if i think about the work that i do with my clients around vulnerability this can often show up as a client talking about a situation from a place of victim and here's where stephen cartman's drama triangle can be helpful I know that you've done a, a, another podcast on that, but I guess just for the benefit of listeners who maybe not had the chance to, to hear that, um, just a summary. So it, it's a model from transactional analysis that enables us to look under the surface of our behaviours to what drives them. The triangle has three points, persecutor, rescuer and victim. And I'll often share this with clients as a starting point when I hear that language of victimhood. Uh, we'll all have experience of these modes at different times. So it's it's a natural process to go through the drama triangle any, any time throughout the day. And so the persecutor is often about being self-righteous and blaming others. The rescuer takes responsibility for others, but rejects their own needs in that process. And the victim comes from a place of feeling helpless and powerless. You, you often see that, hear it in the language of, oh, it always happens to me. It's the sort of woe is me language. So I tend to share this framework with clients. And then I talk about the winners or the beneficial triangle as a, a, as a, a, a 
a switch, an alternative perspective. So with this, the persecutor becomes assertive and that's about asking for what we want, but not punishing or shaming others. Rescuing becomes caring and that's listening and supporting others, but not at the expense of our own needs. And the victim becomes vulnerable, which is about being able to ask for help without discounting our own abilities. So a great description there, Jan, thanks for describing that. So can you tell us a bit more about, in sort of practical terms, how you actually apply that with uh, with client conversations? Okay, yeah. So uh, I'm thinking about a particular client where I was hearing victim in her language. Um, she was talking about past experience that she couldn't let go of and where she'd felt re rejected. There were lots of shoulds uh, and self-judgment in her language. And interestingly, her childhood story was also one of having very critical parents and also being bullied, bullied at school. And she never felt good enough. Um, she was always striving to prove herself a fear of rejection. She was worried that the past situation would be triggered again as she felt the pressure of work um, as she changed jobs recently. So by looking at both the drama triangle and her childhood story, we were able to make the shift from victim to vulnerability. So rather than her feeling helpless and not good enough and not OK, she could channel her vulnerability and ask for help from a position of owning her own abilities, accepting that she can't know everything and being OK with rejection. So not taking rejection personally. We got there over a number of sessions working on self-compassion, exploring the scripts that had been set up from her childhood story and changing that narrative around those scripts. This, um, I think, helped her to build a confidence and a resilience that she, so that she could then take the steps around being more vulnerable by sharing with her new manager and a colleague some of what she was feeling. And of course, when she did that, it opened the door for a much more rewarding and authentic relationship. She felt much more empowered and also recognising that actually her manager and her colleagues we're having similar feelings in a different context and about different situations. She's certainly in a much healthier and happier place as a result. Uh, in my head, I'm kind of seeing a bit of a bit of a journey here from victimhood to vulnerability to authenticity and to empowerment. Does ring any bells with you, Fiona? <laughs> it's quite a lot of bells, actually. <laughs> and, and you know, I'm actually um, just reflecting on. I suppose kind of like the, the the bells it has rung with me just listening to this conversation I think for me that that sort of fear of rejection has always been something that's been quite strong a factor for me that's that's influenced some of the things that I've done and some of the masks that I've worn through through the course of my career and actually even and as for you, Jen, you talk about coming along to a pod like this and the, the you know, the thoughts around the, the the vulnerability of that. And for me, I guess the vulnerability of actually just admitting that is quite is quite significant for me. But I, I certainly think as I as I look back on my career, the, the number of times when I did wear the masks of what I thought was the appropriate behavior and appropriate me at a point in time. And actually how how hard that could make things because it's like you're in that constant acting 
and, and you have to put the constant effort into acting as opposed to letting your authentic self come through. And, and I noticed as my career developed, as I became more confident at letting my authentic self come through and like to your point, Jan, not feeling the need to be so serious and so, you know, play it so straight, how much better my relationships developed and connection with people. Um, and, and in particular, I noticed it with my team where they'd move from sort of saying, oh, you know, you've, you've always you've got everything under control and, you know, you've got, it's almost like, you know, sometimes you don't, you don't need an input from us or you don't need this because you, you've got it all to actually we've been far more engaged by the fact that I sat down and went, I've got no idea what to do about this, but you know, where do we go? So um, those are some of my reflections. There were some words there that were really resonating with, with me, Jan. Um, so you used words like you used masks. So Fiona's talked about masks. You used the word courage. At one point, you talked about high stakes. So I just wanted to just change the image um, a, a little bit. Uh, so I think I've mentioned before in previous podcasts about being a part of a dysfunctional team. Actually, I've been a part of several dysfunctional teams. Probably the rest of the team members thought I fitted very nicely if they were dysfunctional. Um, and in, I suppose one of the ways that I responded to a particularly dysfunctional team was wearing a particular kind of mask. So there are masks that you wear to play a part, to fit in. And the mask I was thinking of was the kind of thing that um, the old knights of old would wear, you know, the helmet with the visor on. And the, and the mask is there for one thing and one thing only, which is to protect you, to stop you from being vulnerable. So when, you, when you're working with people, when you're thinking about vulnerability, you've thought about your own vulnerability, what kind of thoughts do you have around the risks that someone would possibly take by being vulnerable? And particularly the thought that might come into somebody's head, actually, this is risky. This mask is keeping me safe. And I'm not quite sure what will happen if I take it off, because I think I'm in, in an environment where there might be some dangers to me if I was more vulnerable and I lifted up my visor. Great question, Jeff. Um, and I think what it what it brings up for me is... Um, Firstly, this idea that we'll never know. So if we don't take the risk, we'll actually never know what the outcome is. Uh, and it might feel really uncomfortable to take that risk in the moment. Uh, and also, I think that for me, there's something about, I, I read somewhere that there are just two primal fears that we have. So one is um, the fear of not, not being worthy. And the other is because of that, we won't be loved. So there are those just those two primal fears. Um, and I think everybody experiences those fears. So some people may not own up to it, but actually in that moment when you're working with a team and you're faced with that challenge of things being uncomfortable and how vulnerable do I want to be here, there's more than likely several people in the room who are feeling that way. And often the... Certainly in my experience, the behaviours that you see of people that maybe are the behaviours to be challenged are there based on some of those fears. And I guess it also goes back to role modelling as well. So to what extent are we role modelling in, in the work that we do as coaches, leaders, the behaviours that we want to see in others or that we want to enable in others? So, so that's what comes up for me. But just thinking about that a little bit further, can you think of occasional occasions where 
people around you or people you work or people working around people who you're working with have changed their behavior as a result of uh, either you modeling your own vulnerability or encouraging other people to model vulnerability i'm i'm just i'm reflecting on an uncomfortable conversation i had a few years ago in the context of a piece of facilitation and i could have quite easily walked away from it but i chose not to i chose to confront have the conversation talk about the impacts on me personally and and i i i believe that from that and as a result of that the person that i spoke to took that on board but also engaged differently so so for me that there was a change in behavior in doing that but it felt like it was it was risky for a, a whole host of reasons that i won't go into here for our listeners but um but there were lots of risks involved uh, and i think you know having done that and having seen the result of it for me it was worth the risk of having what felt like a really vulnerable exposing and uncomfortable conversation yeah there is one that it it, it really just suddenly um from nowhere actually reminded me of and it was a client who i worked with who worked in a very great traditional um professional environment he he didn't fit the stereotype for sure of people who worked in the, the legal profession did not fit the stereotype of people fitting in that profession at all and it was causing him a huge amount of stress actually because the behaviors that he saw play out in the office grated and jarred against his values very often and that really did cause him a, a, a lot of stress and then also it meant that he was not being his authentic self in you know in that huge amount of time he was spending in, in work so, so the impact on him was very significant and it was actually working with him on getting that insight of how huge an impact it was having on his life where he got to the point where he said actually I can't sustain this I don't want to sustain it so I'm going to try and make it different and I'm going to make a big gamble actually but it's a bit of an it's an all or it's, it was an all or nothing so the stakes have got so high for him he was saying I'm going to have to walk away from this so therefore almost have then got nothing to lose because he kind of mentally realized he couldn't he couldn't continue with things how they were and um so he started to change things and he challenged some of the behaviors that he was seeing and over time he had a huge impact on the culture of that that office that in, in that organization and it, it stemmed from that place of going do you know what I, i'll give this one shot at, at changing it but it's I, I can't exist in this environment the example that comes to my mind is is one where i was having a, a conversation with a colleague who was actually winding up a lot of other people and the response of other people in the team was basically to uh, make disparaging comments about this individual behind their back and have conversations about them and i decided that probably the best thing to do would be to speak to them one-to-one -one, not to talk about their effect on other people although I was prepared to raise that if I thought it would be helpful but to talk about their effect on me personally which was a bit risky it, it could have had consequences for me both in terms of our working relationship but also in terms of how I would then be perceived with with other colleagues and the, the responses of saying 
actually you're making me feel uncomfortable i don't think i'm working as well as i could do because of this just other other illustrations that i gave about this is what it's doing for me their response was i have no idea no idea this was happening no idea that this is how i'm coming across and the the two effects it had on them was firstly that was that moment of recognition with me personally uh, but secondly, it was notable how they then modified their behavior with colleagues. And part of what was driving them was this sense of, I can't be seen to be wrong, can't be seen to be weak. When modeling to them, actually showing a bit of vulnerability, it's okay, it can have a positive effect. You can actually, you can make a friend by being vulnerable. Their working relationships improved considerably. They were always a bit um, spiky, a bit tetchy. But generally, things did Im did improve considerably. So, for me, there is the thing about yeah, if you if you model this, then you might actually see an impact, positive impact for other people. But there is always the possibility that somebody could try and bite you because they've seen the uh, they've seen the visor up. So there's a there's a vulnerability they can shoot an arrow at. And the the question would be, well, are you prepared to take the risk? And certainly, like you, Jan, my experience is more often than not when you take the risk, the the outcomes are more more beneficial than not. And definitely, Jeff. I think uh, f for me, my experience is that yeah, it, it it's that although it feels uncomfortable, the the number of times that I've taken the risk and it's worked out I have far far outweighed the times that I've taken the risk and it hasn't. In fact, if I'm, honest, if I'm honest, I'm not sure I can think of any times when I've taken the risk and it hasn't worked out. But hey, maybe that's to come. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe not or maybe not <laughs> okay well in just a minute jan i'm gonna ask you to give us a kind of a thought to take away uh, any final reflections from yourself fiona i think actually it's uh it's to the point that jan's just made really is it, as i think back i can't think of a situation where it's backfired on me where i've where i've taken the risk on vulnerability i'm thinking across clients have worked on it as well outcomes might have been slightly different to what they were expecting and, and things like that but I can't think where I've ever had the conversation where they've gone I really wish I'd not done that so like maybe that's to come as well but uh but, but yeah it's, it's often we build it up in our heads to be something much worse and much more threatening and our natural instincts to protect ourselves often overpower and create something that's that's a greater risk than um than it really is. Thank you. Uh, Jan, can you just remind us, what were those two primal fears you mentioned earlier? So the two um, primal fears are the fear of not being worthy. And because of that, we won't be loved. So fear of not being worthy and the fear of not being loved. Jan, thank you so much for, for sharing, for being very open. And I'm sure you've uh, uh, hit a lot of, um, lot of important thoughts for people who are listening to us. And could you give us a, a final thought to go away with? Yeah, sure. Um, so we started with a quote. Um, so I'd like to end with a quote. And this is from a piece on vulnerability by um, the wonderful poet David White. I'm sure some of the listeners will be familiar with him. So the quote goes, vulnerability is not a weakness, a passing indisposition or something we can arrange to do without. Vulnerability is not a choice. Vulnerability is the underlying, ever-present and abiding undercurrent of our natural state. It continues, the only choice we have as we mature is how we inhabit our vulnerability, how we become larger and more courageous and more compassionate through our intimacy. 
So with that quote in mind, here are three questions. So two for coaches that might be listening and one for everyone else. So the first quote uh, question for coaches who might be listening is how willing are you to show up more openly with your client? And the second question is how would bringing all of you to the conversation change the relationship? And then a question maybe for all of us to take away is what is the question you've been afraid to ask of yourself or of another? Thank you so much for that, John. Already bouncing those uh, those around and um, very thought provoking questions. So huge thanks for joining us today. Really, really enjoyed the conversation. And um, thank you to everyone for for joining us and uh, listening to this. Thank you so much. And we'll be back with you again soon. Bye-bye now.